This episode of Pop Culture Reference is brought to you by the UWM Professional Cinema Society. The Professional Cinema Society is a student organization that brings the film community at UWM together. For more information on our club, please visit our Facebook page. Now, enjoy the show. Broadcasting live from Cyberdyne Industries, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things of pop culture. I'm Ricardo Salgado. I'm Garrett Strother. And I'm Seamus Connolly. It's been two weeks since we've recorded anything oh, with news yeah. for you guys. You know, you had an episode last week on Ghostbusters that so we pre-recorded, but we've got a lot of news to catch up on, so that let's just get into it. That was an episode on Tim Allen. <laughs> oh, God, our Tim Allen special? Yeah, of course. I think probably the biggest news in terms of industry is we have a Batman cast that's pretty rounded out yeah. at this point for Matt Reeves' The Batman. We already knew that Robert Pattinson was going to be the titular Batman. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> but we also have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Jeffrey Wright in an unspecified role that has Ooh. to be Commissioner Gordon, right? Does it? I don't know. He seems <laughs> like be anyone. Finally, the latest bit of casting news, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Yeah, that's the biggest piece of news to me on this. I feel like since we heard that Robert Pattinson was going to be Batman, it's also yeah, pretty big news. Everyone wasn't on board. <laughs> Yeah, that was it was very shaky at the start because people were making a lot of Twilight jokes and yeah. like that was the big thing. But we haven't seen, you know, like a Riddler on screen since Jim Carrey in Batman Forever, and I which think which is a terrible incarnation of that. Character. You know what? I am gonna agree. Just be, <laughs> I I will say I love that movie with all my heart. But both Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey are doing the same thing. The same thing, and that same thing is like the Joker, no? It, they're yeah. just doing yeah, Joker impressions. It feels impressions. like a Jack Nicholson impression. You ever hear that story where Tommy Lee Jones just hates Jim Carrey? Because of that movie? Yeah. They ran into each other afterward like at a restaurant, and I think Jim Carrey did something funny. And he just looked him fucking straight in his face and was like, I cannot tolerate your buffoonery. <laughs> That's the exact quote. It was before, though. In... A movie where they are both buffoons. absolutely bonkers buffoons. Like, I don't know. I really think Paul Dano is a talent. I've seen him in stuff. He's had, you know, smaller-ish roles. I want the Riddler to be zany. Like, I think that's a thing that is right about the choice made right. in Batman Forever, is that he needs to be energetic and larger mm-hmm. than life. Well, you'd have to be, right? I can't think of Paul Dano, a Paul Dano role where he is that. Like, he's charismatic, I don't know, if they're going to go like a, like, zany, but, like, creepy, I mm-hmm. feel like could be a good mm-hmm. route they go That's with him. That's true. He's a good actor, and I have faith in him. Also, I could definitely just imagine Paul Dano in a green yeah, right? onesie yeah. with question marks all over it. Is he the gonna, bowler they're, hat? They're Come on. probably going to do the suit, not the onesie. No, I'm going, Jim, if it's not the Jim Carrey onesie <laughs> with you, the but bowler. But then he has the bowler hat, too. Am I tripping? Do I need to go rewatch well, he, he has, I don't Batman remember, Forever? I don't remember. I haven't seen Batman Forever since I was probably 13, Seamus. You should probably we watch it. I might we'll fill do, that in for we'll a brief probably space. have yeah. to do a Batman episode at some Bat point. Batman month. <laughs> Batman Bat month. This is basically Ben Batman month. Ricardo, we've talked about Batman more on this podcast than anything else, including Star Wars. Box sets of bat things, everybody. That's what I, it's on We're my mind all the time. going through the animated series episode by episode. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Patreon. That's a Patreon Patreon exclusive, exclusive. folks. In other trailer news, the Jungle Cruise trailer dropped, starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. It really just kind of looks like The Mummy. Emily Blunt is an English intellectual with her brother who travels to an exotic land 
and finds a gruff. Is the Rock her brother? No, but she finds a gruff but chiseled uh, hero character. Hero, hero character. Like they're clearly pairing them up, right? Oh, Isn't that what they're building towards? Yeah. I didn't know what Jungle Cruise even was as a concept before you guys told me that this movie was coming out. Mm-hmm. It's based on a ride. I think they're trying to recapture a little bit of that Pirates of the Caribbean magic since that well has completely dried up. Just reboot Pirates. Big news. There's rumors that they're rebooting the Pirates of, as of this morning. So oh, no way. I, I forgot. Oh, God. Now I'm going to have to go look back on my, my news feed somewhere. But Any word who's at the head of this? Who's in charge? Uh, Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin tracking Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. Okay. Chernobyl creator? Yep. I mean, I'm in for some gritty character drama, Pirates character drama. Yeah, they could really spice it up with some more... Gritty, like a real... Adult pirate Historical pirate. You throw some Jared Harris in there as a pirate captain. I assume it's still going to be mainly based on the also the Disney ride. A trend that I've been noticing a lot in the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean attractions, they've been kind of acknowledging some more problematic aspects of that ride because it's all about the glee that pirates take in ravaging this town, and a lot of it's very taking advantage of the women and auctioning off the women. (laughs) Yeah. Pirates are like rapists and murderers, you know. They they do bad stuff. And so they're trying to amend that. To make them almost more cartoony, if that makes any sense. It's or to Chernobyl, like, right? Do you think he'll acknowledge that? Well, that's what I'm saying, is if Disney, as of late, has been acknowledging the more problematic aspects of the ride, then it's possible that they're going to take this opportunity with this new Chernobyl guy. I could see that being something that they want to bring into this new rebooted yeah. franchise. And Splash Mountain remains unchanged. It would be interesting <laughs> to me if they were trying to start off a little... Disney ride cinematic universe then if they're rebooting Pirates and they're bringing in Jungle Cruise those are both in Adventureland they both have boats interesting imagine if the treasure that they're going after in the Jungle Cruise was you know something that the Pirates of the Caribbean that's very fun I think that's very we're gonna take a quick moment you gotta pick a ride pitch the movie I've never been to Disney Figure it out. Go, you pick a ride and make a movie. Well, I'm a huge fan of the Haunted Mansion. That's my favorite Disney They've ride. They've never done that before, right? <laughs> Not with Eddie Murphy or anything. No, um, but I would love to see a Haunted Mansion movie that is, I think animated would be really cool. Oh, yeah. Maybe bring in like a Henry Selleck, that spooky, mm-hmm. comedic stuff going on. If you are trying to do this cinematic universe with all of the Disney rides, the original concept for the Haunted Mansion was that it would be paired with Pirates of the Caribbean, that they would be part of one continuous story. The pirate captain from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride would have retired with all of his gold and built the Haunted Mansion. You're kidding. That was the original concept. and That's awesome. You can still find little clues about that kind of stuff going Like connecting on. the worlds. So whenever you go to Disneyland, Seamus, you'll go to New Orleans Square and you'll see all these clues about... Uh, Jean Lafitte and Captain Gore and all of these different characters that are intertwined between the Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion. You guys are really pitching me great on Disney, man. I'm, I'm, I want to go so right at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It is a western, and the conceit is a ghost train. So I love a good ghost train. One last bit of news. You guys will be excited about this. They announced yesterday on Disney Plus there's going to be a Muppet talk show. 
Like a late night like Muppet Like a late show? night Muppet talk I show. I saw this article. Is it The Muppets? Because I saw like a weird original alien character. In I thumbnail. think it's going to be both. Aren't the Muppets at their best though when they're interacting with real people? I would love it if there was the Muppet host and then like John Legend was the musical guy. Weird Al. He's a funny musician. Oh, Weird that Al is the musical perfect, host there. Yeah. I think it's time that we move on to our main segment, boys. Me and my friend Ethan used to do that to each other all the time to make each other laugh, and it probably would still work. Isn't that what all teenage boys do all the time? <laughs> Just bang on the bang table on the Terminator Scream theme? the Terminator theme in each other's face, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to go ahead and start with Terminator 1, 1984's The Terminator. O.J. Simpson? I love that. If we're just getting into trivia, jeez. Ricardo, would you care to explain? Yeah, sure. When they were making this movie originally, they wanted O.J. Simpson in the role of the Terminator. And was it James Cameron who said, like, I don't see him as a killer? Yeah, like, it was, it it was two negatives. Nice. It was studio executives. Okay. James Cameron's the one who wanted O.J. Okay, I got you, got you. Maybe things would have gone down differently in history. Maybe things would have stopped after Terminator 2. Yeah, that's true. Maybe things would have stopped after Terminator 2, but I personally, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is just such a... He's perfect. It's the perfect role for him. Because he is basically just a giant metal person, you know? Yeah. Like, in today, back then, always, he's just like a big boxy muscle monster. First of all, it plays directly into, why would you ever buy this guy's a real guy? Because he's huge. And talks <laughs> not and then also, very well. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it also plays into his accent... And the awkward way in which he speaks, aside from his accent, are both things that feed into the character yeah. of the He's Terminator. A robot. And then I think we should probably just go ahead and call spoilers for Terminator oh, yeah. 1. Spoilers for Terminator 1. And probably maybe Terminator 2. If... We'll draw a clear line. Okay, I clear think. line. We start with, we see the future and how bleak the future is. Love future flashback, flash forward sequences in this. I saw this movie pretty young. And that was the evil dark future for just mm-hmm. forever for me now. It's so good. And then we have the great transition to 1984 where you see the abstract form of a garbage truck arm coming down in a great fake out that makes you think it's the machines, but now it's just Los it's Angeles in the 1980s. So Arnold, he's naked. He's in 1984. He needs him some clothes. And real quick before we get past it, I don't know if they changed this for, like, an updated version of the movie. It's, like, subtle, but it's full frontal nudity of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, yeah, it is, because it, you, it, it, he's walking in the darkness, but... You can see shapes, and it's possible that they can dodge and burn that stuff now digitally to I make guess, it... I I feel like it adds somehow. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. It was the 80s, you know? It was the 80s, know, man. The punks that the Terminator gets his clothes from, he rips one of their hearts out. He... Kalima, yeah. He rips it out of his goddamn chest. I haven't seen this movie since the 30th anniversary. I went to see it in the theater. I have not seen it since. And I was like, whoa. It's brutal stuff in this movie. Like, no joke. It's really a slasher movie is what it is. Yeah, it's a horror movie is what it is. I kept thinking, this feels a lot like Halloween, but it's so fresh feeling. Because it's a robot? 80s James Cameron cannot be stopped. He's just incredible. This is before, you know, he had his... Base. Oh underwater, yeah, his underwater Titanic. The of the Titanic. Yeah, but Army of Terminators run by Navi scientists. I so, get it. Oh, get ready for Dark Fate V 
Avatar 2 connection. What if the post-credits of Darth Vader is Avatar 2? <laughs> these, these Terminators are made out of unobtainium? What? And then it... Oh, God, the worst. <laughs> I think we have a movie. Get do James we, Cameron on the phone. Do we have his number? Can we call him? James, as established last week, we know you're listening. Yeah, it's just a sci-fi twist on a great horror, you know, formula, basically. It holds up to this day, for sure. What and then the big rubber face? When he's doing his surgery, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's... the rubber face. I Even as a kid watching this, I was like... That's just a big slab of rubber that somebody's cutting into. The arm stuff, though, where he's moving oh, yeah, that his looks fingers is always fun for me. Yeah, his face looks... It's bad. It's really <laughs> bad. And I know this was made for not the most money in the world. Like, James Cameron was broke when he wrote this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a dream of a metal skeleton walking out of fire. We meet our, our protagonist, well, kind of our protagonist, our protagonist for the first half of the movie. Yeah, kind of. Kyle Reese. Good man, that Kyle Reese. Comes he... in with the same light orb and lightning as the yep. Terminator. Mm-hmm. I love those effects. I will I... say those are fun. And he's naked. And he's naked. Michael Bean. He has scars on scars on scars. Yeah. That's ins- he, I never noticed that up. before. Because he's, he's a war oh, hero. He's been fighting the good fight. He also has some very prominently featured Nikes that he steals from oh, that yeah. store. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But Reese is a really dark character. They go way more into his PTSD than I remember them going. You know, with this early, non-super-descript time travel stuff, it could be a flashback, it could be a nightmare, it could be both, it could be the future that hasn't happened yet. It could it's... be one possible future. That Back then, when people weren't just, like, picking apart time travel logic, <laughs> could really get away with a lot. But we're not going to be the guys that pick it apart. Nope, because there have so. been probably too many podcasts that do that. We're just talking about it. So anyway, Kyle Reese is st- he robs this homeless man. He takes him for his pants. He takes the <laughs> pants off him. Like, they don't show it, but he has he, to like, physically... He, off the pants of this homeless man. It's so upsetting that he did that to his fellow man, the one he's fighting for. The Terminator... Not having, like, a database has to, like, go to a phone book and rip it out and start assassinating Sarah Connors around L.A. Luckily, our Sarah Connors is the last last one. one. And she finds out by watching TV at her job. And then she just goes to a movie, but then, uh uh-oh, Kyle Reese is following her. And boy, oh boy, does he seem creepy. He's not doing a great job of blending in. Yeah, he looks like a man who's an insane person or from the future. And then we have the iconic nightclub sequence. Ooh, God, so good. Come with me if you want to live. But yeah, Terminator is wasted fools left and right. It is. Yeah. Indiscriminately. Intense. I guess that's what a Terminator is designed for, is just yeah. killing. A Terminator? Yeah, yeah it's Terminator. At least, I don't know, nightclub shooting scenes today definitely does not play the same way, but it is still like. If anything, I think that's scarier today because that could just happen. Yeah, there was a sci-fi horror Most thing happening. You could just roll up and open fire. Open fire into a nightclub. Let's not. Let's not. Arnold, we know you listen with with James. <laughs> we gotta. We're not trying to, you know, defame you here. They get together on Sundays and they listen to podcasts. Yeah. Something that I really like when they get to the police station is one of the cops is Lance Hendrickson. Who's Lance Hendrickson? From Aliens, Bishop from Aliens. Oh yeah, he is one of the cops. I I do remember that. That guy, that guy's great. He was hitting some sci-fi marks too back mm-hmm. in the day. They're being separately interviewed at this point, yes, right? Yes, and they have Sarah convinced that Reese is crazy, 
found out the Terminator was just wearing a bulletproof vest. But that's when Which, our you boy know, Arnold, he'll be back, you know? Yeah, he walks up. I barely remember that conversation besides... He's like, is Sarah Connor here? And they're like, yeah, you have to wait. And he's like, I'll be back. I'll be back. Bam! Runs through the front of the police station with the car. Totally pancakes the guy who's being a smartass to him. All the cops get killed in this Oh my movie. god, All another, like, reminiscent... I don't know if you can straight up kill every cop in a police station in a movie today. Like, he kills everyone. That it being, everyone. like, a huge deal? Exactly. Yeah, it would be, because that would be considered a statement. huge political statement if yeah. you did that. Even if it's the bad guy of your film doing it. We get a lot of fun POV Terminator vision in this part where he's just, like, walking down a hallway... Bam, 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 two-handed, assault rifle, shotgun, blasting people. Uh, Lance Hendrickson and the other main cop go out pretty hard with their machine guns. Like, every cop in this building has a machine gun. No, yeah, they, like, do a scene where they, like, bust open the armory. Everybody grab a machine gun! What do we get? Sarah Connor cowering in an office while she just hears a massacre going on. And, uh-oh, you see a shadow at the door. Somebody's opening the door. Is Sarah Connor going to be okay? It's Kyle Reese! Oh Kyle God. Reese back again, saving the day. That's great. They get out of there, and, you know, then they're on the run, they're laying low, they're building pipe bombs. Yeah, pipe bombs, which Ma- as a kid, I was like, wow, it's that easy to just get <laughs> bomb ingredients, huh? It's crazy. Making John Connor, you know? Oh, yeah, they yeah. really get down in that motel. How many characters do you know that have been conceived on screen? As a as a young sh- watching that with my father sitting next to me and my older brother, I was... That's a, it was a long scene back then. A lot of 80s movies are like this, about the whole, like, we loved a lifetime's worth in one day. And There's, I guess, two questions in this. Does the movie want us to take that at face value? And if not, does Sarah love Reese, or does Sarah love that Reese loves her? And does Reese love Sarah, or does Reese love the idea of a normal life back before the Terminators took over? Don't, doesn't he explain to her, like, you're the mom... He doesn't know that he's the father? He doesn't he... know he's the father, no. Right. But he's a, he knows he he's in love know. with her, like he's cosmically bound to her. Interesting. I mean, it is it is a little corny, but I mean, like, it, it... But I think maybe the movie wants us to appreciate it, not at face value. I think the movie does a little bit to call into question, like, where Reese's insane devotion comes from, because he talks so much about how he was born after... The world mm. was like this, and how he's never experienced a world that was normal, and like Sarah to him is like a beacon of yeah, warmth, that's, of that's normalcy. It could be seen as of like a, a shared trauma type deal, where it's like, hey, we're both being hunted by this killer robot, so like we're like just growing super close because of all the horrible st- stuff that's happening to the both of us, mm-hmm. and it was like a tension release thing that turned into like a, a fate thing where like he always had to go and do that stuff even though like neither of them really knew why yep and then sarah connor's mom gets dead by the terminator oh yeah i forgot they, she gets co- totally... they really gloss over that yeah the terminator is on just like really messing people up so he finds out what motel they're staying at we're on it and now we have a chase god dang great Car chase here, because they're just, like, throwing pipe bombs out of a car at a gas truck? Well, first they're throwing it at the motorcycle, then he gets thrown off the motorcycle when Sarah ramps off the road, then he gets run over by the semi. Right. Then he gets the semi. get out. And then there's two pipe bombs left. One of them, Kyle Reese throws in the tailpipe. Expertly. 
puts it in the tailpipe. Jumps into a dumpster, which is the most metal thing ever. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. He's a serious badass in this movie. It's over, right? No. <laughs> the gas truck exploded. They couldn't possibly survive. He comes out, endoskeleton, metal endoskeleton. Great, like, almost stop motion looking. It's it is stop, stop motion. motion. That's exactly that's what it was. That's the uh, That's Stan Winston, who is a brilliant, brilliant stop motion animator. Um, he did all the quote-unquote special Terminator effects. Mm. Um, he's also the guy who was supposed to do the stop motion for Jurassic Park. And then when Spielberg decided to go all CG, he said, I guess I'm extinct. And that's where that line came from in the movie. Dang, that's great. Dang, but so instead jokes. of just giving up, he invented a system where he could have a mechanical skeleton that would feed into the computer information, CG software. And so when he stop motion animated, it would translate into the computer, into CG. Wow. He was like, I need to adapt to become relevant still. Wow. And so that's what he did. And he's a really, really cool guy. He's a really smart guy. Well, I will say the effects with the, just the skeleton in Terminator 1 are awesome. Yeah, they I look think they great, look pretty very great. smooth. Kyle Reese blows up the last pipe bomb. Right, yeah, sticks it right in his like rib cage mm-hmm. and... In this factory that they've stumbled into, and is that that's where that's where Kyle Reese yep. dies? Yeah, he blows himself up to to he, kill the Terminator. He doesn't even get like a heroic last line. It's just like run, Sarah throws it in, blows and up. He, he like sticks it in with his hand, and then it explodes. Like he gets blown down a staircase. Yep. And it's almost it makes sense that he doesn't get like a. You've got to survive, <laughs> Sarah, for the future. Because, like, I feel like the whole, his whole thing this whole time has been, like, you need to survive for the future, and I'm here to help. I'm, like, the servant of humanity's future. It's a soldier's death. It's a soldier's death. He really goes out like a hero. But that didn't take the Terminator out, did it? Oh, no. You think so. She thinks it's finally over. You dumb, stupid idiot. It's just torso at yeah, this point. He blows torso. it in half, but that Terminator's not done yet. You feel that claustrophobia. You feel trapped with that thing in all that machinery, but she gets over to that giant crushing yeah, machine. She cr- crawls through the hydraulic press and locks and then... the Terminator in. As she pushes the button, you're terminated. You're terminated. That's perfect. And then it <laughs> crushes it. The skull still facing her. The little red light in the eyeball goes out. And that's the end of that Terminator. We get cool nomad Sarah Connor ending in this. where We see the origin of Reese's picture of her. Yeah, yeah, she's driving in Mexico in a Jeep, recording tapes for her unborn child to Jonathan Connor. try to explain all of the insanity that he has to live up to, mm-hmm. and stops at a family gas station. And the Little rest boy. of that story's up for interpretation, because they never made any more Terminator movies. Hold on, a storm is coming, Ricardo. <laughs> okay. I know! Driving off into the horizon. I really wish that all of the dialogue in that scene didn't exist. You don't like that? All of it's awful. Come on. <laughs> you one don't of, like a storm is coming? I think one of the worst writing tropes is a, a storm, storm is coming. coming. I hate it so much. But it was early enough where it wasn't as much of a trope yet, right? There's an east wind coming. Game of Thrones barely Sherlock gets away joke. with winters coming. Barely. They barely get that fast? All right, barely. Fair. And then also the, we only knew each other for a day, but we loved a lifetime's Does she say that? She says that. <laughs> no way. That's very funny. Hey, you know what? 
It's true. <laughs> they lived a lifetime in that one night. Do, 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 sad, morose <laughs> Terminator theme. Well, that's Truly. what plays over that scene is a sad, like, do, do, do. Yeah, that's true. And she just drives off towards the Mexico mountains. All right, so I think we should break the dam. Breaking the dam. Going right into Terminator 2, Judgment, Judgment Day. Day. Does it start off on the time travel? This is, I think, one of the best openings for any movie ever. Hit me. We start with Sarah Connor's got a little little voiceover talking about Judgment Day and it's coming and everything, and then we get the, the opening credits. And then Arnold, he comes in. In all his glory. Lightning. No frontal this time. No frontal. I don't think so. Now the time travel apparatus interacts with the environment a little more. Yeah, it's so. like the ground has a little like orb cut out of it from like just time travel energy. It looks great. Um, yeah, and it does. He One of the most iconic scenes in film history, he wanders into that biker bar. Man, do Give they have some words for him? Give me your clothes and your motorcycle. I'm doing a bad Arnold today. I gotta, I gotta step it up. He kills it in that scene. Oh no, yeah, he just he kills it and a few of those bikers. I think. Well, actually, one of the rules that Schwarzenegger had for Terminator Two was, even though Schwarzenegger has denied this since then, he didn't want Terminator to kill anybody. He was, he's trying to brand a more family friendly image. Interesting. He's and a he's the Terminator. And so there was already the John Connor rule that we'll get to later. In the movie, so it wasn't that hard because for mm. most of the movie he's obeying that rule. Right. But the opening sequence, you never see a biker die. You know, because I like my Terminators a little less homicidal. So he gets his iconic look, bad to the bone yeah, is Yeah, bad to the bone. Got and the sunglasses the on. The perfect coda for that scene. Guy comes out with the shotgun. Arnie takes the shotgun and takes his shade. Takes his sunglasses. God, yeah. yeah and he takes flight towards... Los Angeles in the distance? With a plan to become governor of California. <laughs> so, oh God. in the first five minutes of this movie, it's a great setup for this whole movie. It's efficient. You're reacquainted with the Terminator in a really powerful way. And then, uh-oh, there's somebody else time traveling. There's another naked guy. There's a cop there. He takes out the cop. He gets in the cop car. He pulls away. Who is this guy? Who's this mystery and, man? And re-watching it, for this podcast, I didn't realize that they were, they're going for like a bait and switch. They want you to think, oh yeah, because we're coming off of, you know, Arnie is, I'm, I'm getting too ahead of myself. Let's continue. John, baby, John Connor. So we meet John Connor for, uh, this is the first time, actually, well, it's not the first time in the series because earlier, briefly in the prologue, they show scarred old future John Connor. Now we're meeting John Connor as a character. He's got that, like, hair that's, like, covering half of his face. He's got the dirt bike and his, his friend. His Weasley little friend. With, like, the fauxhawk mullet, kind of, I think. It's, it's a bad look. Um, it's very, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibes. <laughs> yeah. Rick Moranis is the Terminator. I'd watch that. <laughs> T-800, Arnie, he's on the case. Yeah, he's on the hunt for, for John Connor yet again. I love the sound design. We see... John's little bike go by like a little yeah, little buzz thing. And then the front wheel stops right in front of us of Arnold's bike. And it's this powerful, the chopper loud engine. It's such great sound design. It's just got that mechanical, powerful, that is a machine with a an angry vibe. Same as the Terminator, a machine with an angry vibe. The mix on this movie is incredible. The sound mixing is 
very good. I just got the Blu-ray. It's a new restoration. It's the restoration for the 2017 3D re-release, but it's not 3D. Weird. But it's a very good restoration. The colors are gorgeous. The sound, like, you can really feel it. I don't have a sound bar or anything, but I really could feel that sound. I think the mix is really strong. I really got to get, like, a nice box set of the first two terms. I'll just get some steel books. I'm not getting a I was, box set. I was about to say, do you need a box set for two movies? I, I was, I as I was saying that sentence, I was like, eh, maybe, maybe not. I'm guessing they'll probably do a three pack when Dark Fate comes out. Of one, two, and Dark Fate. One, two, and Dark Fate because Dark Fate's only a sequel to these two right, movies, which true. is the reason we're only covering that's a these weird two new movies. Trend going I love on. that trend though. Like, we're gonna like screw the sequels that are bad. You know, like nobody them. wants them. So then we're at the mall. Everybody's closing in. We've got John Connor. He's in the arcade. We've got our mystery cop, and we've got Arnie, and they're all... It's who's going to find him first. We get to one of the best parts of this movie, in my opinion, is the caught in the narrow hallway. He's running away from the cop, who he just thinks is a cop. Yeah, yeah, he thinks he's just there to bust him. But all of a sudden, from the other doorway, we hit the slow-mo. Oh, yeah. Here comes Arnie. He's got them clomping boots. The wide-eyed John. It almost feels like he recognizes Arnie a little bit. Yeah, Maybe he just does. by description. He, he's figured out that that's a term. Like, oh no. And he's running. He's running back towards the cop. Arnie's got his shotgun out. He, yeah, he drops the box of roses. Good close-up on a boot, crushing one. Cocks his shotgun. Takes aim. Get down. Bam. Cop gets hit in the shoulder. What? What is this? Liquid metal? What the hell? He's guarding John Connor. We're all getting out of there. Everybody in the theater is finally catching up at the time. Like, what? He's the good guy. What? He was the bad guy. But yeah, so and now we're off to the races. We've got one of the most iconic chases in oh, film yeah, history. Oh, yeah, motorcycle semi. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's in the L.A. Yeah, L.A. River? Water. Drainage systems. Yeah, uh, Greece. The race from Greece. L.A. is a hellhole. Never live there. It's a terrible place. Don't go. Well, it's full of Terminators. I wouldn't want to go there anyway. There is the truck coming off the bridge. Yeah, that just plows through the side of it. Arnie gets John onto his motorcycle. Yeah, just like lifts him up like a cat by the scruff of his neck and like plops him on his own motorcycle. And then we blow up the truck. We wait. No Terminator comes out. Arnie's satisfied. He pulls away. Something's moving in the fire. What's that shimmering? Coming out of the fire, it's the T-1000. He's he's alive still. Or he's alive, chrome. whatever. He's liquid chrome. Yeah, liquid and Google chrome. He, he forms himself back up. It looks fantastic. That, yeah. If we were talking about how the Terminator effects are a little dated in the first Terminator, this is flawless. No, it's so good. Like, the, the forming back together. When he gets hit by bullets and it's like the little craters on him, it looks awesome. Well, that's practical. That's just like really? they had a little thing on him. No. Yeah. There's like huge... Like, he gets pretty hurt. There's yeah. big craters those, that form. Those are all practical. Sometimes, like, if you see straight through him, sometimes it's not. But, like, most of that was on-set stuff. That's awesome. Wow. This movie's so good. You can thank, again, Stan Winston, who Stan did Winston. special Terminator effects, and Dennis Murin, who was the head of the ILM department that was on this. He also worked on a lot of Star Wars, on Jurassic Park, and he is pretty much the one who is responsible for the T-1000 looking flawless. God bless him, because he really does look so cool. Right. So, yeah. Then we go, we're meeting Sarah. She's in a mental institution. Yep. She's locked up. Just like how they accused Kyle Reese in the police station in 
the first Terminator, it's like poetry, it rhymes. She's <laughs> she's seen as completely bonkers crazy, talking about evil robots. Silverman's back, the the shrink from the first movie. Yeah, that's right. Silverman is back. Yeah, we get a little we get a little breakout stuff here where she breaks so many, herself out. So many pull-ups. She does a lot of pull-ups. She does a lot of pull-ups. She does do a lot. She looks ripped in this movie. Oh yeah, she's fit. insane. Bam. It's great to see her like between the ending of Terminator 1 where, you know, I, storm's coming, I know, and she's just kind of like ominously driving off to, she this. is prepping hard. She is mm-hmm. ready for Terminators to come back. She breaks out, she gets out of her restraints, she knows there's a Terminator coming for John because the police come to question her, so she's ready to go. Oh yeah, she's she's in full code red alert mode. Her plan is pretty much going exactly yep. the way she needs it to until... The elevator door opens, and who walks out? A face that I'm sure she is horrified. Like, there's no good angle here in, in whatever's happening. Linda Hamilton's acting in that scene is incredible. The way she stops dead in her tracks. The facial change. Like, you can really see that, like, horrified heartbreak mm-hmm. feeling uh, that she's going for there. Crawl away and run away, drive away, do everything mm-hmm. to get away from Arnold Schwarzenegger, really. But he's the one who keeps the T-1000 at bay. He's the one who hits her with a come with me if you want to live. This is where we get the metal bars. The T-1000 go, walks through the metal bars, like full liquid form, freaks everybody out. It's pretty great looking. It hasn't aged at all. They stall the T-1000 long enough where mm-hmm. they can get out of the building. Where he does one of my favorite things, the T-1000, the flat-handed Tom Cruise <laughs> sprint. He looks like a machine. He looks like a machine on a mission doing that one thing. Works. Apparently, in the scene earlier at the mall where John is getting away on his dirt bike thing, so the second the T-1000 opened the door, which was about 50 feet away from where John was on the dirt bike, Edward Verlong was supposed to just book it immediately. The first time they did the take, Robert Patrick could run so fast that he caught him. <laughs> really? Yeah. God. So they, I, <laughs> what an antelope of a man. For real. I think he does an incredible job in this movie. He, oh, he's great. He's so good. He does good. so much with so little. After they escape the T-1000 in the police car chase, we go down to Mexico. They go and they find this insane cache of, like, just weapons and ammo and explosives and basically everything that she was doing in Mexico since T-1, presumably, is just, like, Mm -hmm. stockpiling and preparing for Judgment Day and all that. So they get these weapons, and John and the T-800 are really bonding. This is when he teaches him thumbs up, hasta la vista, baby. Where to get the keys in a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Sarah's having crazy nightmares about Judgment Day and getting oh, yeah. burned alive She's by a nuke. She's getting that crazy yeah, skeleton on the chain link fence thing. She decides to go kill Miles Dyson. He's the head of special projects. At Cyberdyne Industries. Well, that special project, my man. They recovered the severed arm and CPU chip of the original Terminator from the factory, which Sarah Connor killed the first Terminator in Terminator 1. I love it when Arnold says, the CPU from the first Terminator, because that's how we would describe it as well. Yeah, the, from the first Terminator in very many ways. Yeah, she just straight up puts on some, you know, 
tactical baseball cap and grabs a sniper rifle and goes to the hill above Miles' home. It's like, who's really the Terminator? <laughs> and so she tries to shoot Dyson. She shoots him, but yeah, doesn't she clips kill him, him, breaks into the house, and can't kill him in front of his family. Because yeah. she has more humanity than a machine. <laughs> yeah, that's when John and Arnie show up. John takes the son of Miles Dyson away. Mm-hmm. Arnie cuts open <laughs> yeah. his arm Rips to show it off like a glove to show his endoskeleton, which looks exactly yeah. like Ooh. the arm that Dyson is, of course. Super cool. It looks awesome, and Ooh. that is what Dyson has been doing those experiments on since the '80s, presumably in Cyberdyne. And Dyson so clearly feels tremendous guilt over yeah, this. Yeah, of like, course. And immediately he's like, okay, how do we stop this? He's on board. Yeah, he's ready to go do the plan of, like, blowing up his entire office, right? So, yeah, they're going to go towards Cyberdyne. The best writing in this movie is in this third act because Mm. not only do we get a lot of really good payoffs, the Terminator finding the keys uh, from when John taught him earlier, and then when Sarah Connor asks how many cops there are, John's like, about all of them, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they just got like they got one liners. They yeah, got they're quips. they're going good. This whole time they're planting explosives around the office, and our boy Arnie has the minigun, just like keeping them back. Right, yep. he's not actually killing anyone. He's, he's keeping them at bay mm-hmm. to give them time enough to like Are save we the sure future. He doesn't kill anyone in this movie. Um, Terminator Vision says human casualties colon zero point zero. Suck it, Salgado. Then, uh-oh, the SWAT team breaks in before they have time to finish off the explosives. Dyson goes down hard. Yeah, he gets, he gets really messed up. It brings his ultimate sacrifice because of that, where, like, the whole plan was to just set the explosives and get out of there. But he, you know, volunteers at that point. Like, he's too messed up to continue. Mm-hmm. He's holding the trigger. He's holding mm-hmm. the detonator. He, we get uh, 45 minutes of him going, <gasps> Yeah, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> I'm not going to do it for that long on the podcast, but... I read that they shot that death scene a bunch of times. James Cameron was like, this isn't working. Like, it's not your sacrifice. I'm not feeling your death enough. And then the actor who plays Miles Dyson had been in a car accident where he had a collapsed lung. Oh, And so he remembered what that felt like and what kind of noises his body was making and how his breathing was affected. He's like, I just got shot in the chest. I probably have a collapsed lung. So he's like, Cameron, I want to do this. And then that's what is in the movie. And I think that's really impactful. Wow. Honest to God, my entire view of that part has just changed tremendously. That is awesome. I thought it was just like a really drawn-out death scene, but he brought in some real stuff, and if that's what that would look like, then that's what that would look like, and I'm all on board now. And then now we've stopped Cyberdyne, we stopped everything, we just have to make sure the T-1000 is taken care of, so we get that great truck chase. Oh, yeah. Now he's in a semi with a tanker, mm-hmm. not of gas, mind you. Liquid nitrogen. We know that a big fiery truck explosion won't kill this guy, but mm-hmm. maybe but this will. What a maybe big cold explosion. Exactly. And so Arnie, in a great one shot, gets out of the front of their pickup truck, climbs onto the bed of the pickup, onto the front of the semi, kneels down, and just. Yeah. lights up just unloads for real it's so good it's just they go to the extreme they instead of throwing pipe bombs they're just throwing a terminator at the other terminator yep. it's great which leads to them crashing into a steel mill and then this is the the terminator death fake out just like the first one the t-1000 he gets frozen in liquid nitrogen bam shatters him baby hasta la vista baby and then 
thousand pieces. It looks awesome there as well. Just you know, whenever a bad guy is covered in nitrogen and blown into a million pieces, mm-hmm. I think it looks great. But then that metal heats back up from the heat from the steel mill, comes back together. We still we're still in the third act. There's we're no still stop moving. in this thing. It's it's unstoppable. It's some kind of Terminator. But he really kicks the crap out of the T eight hundred. Yeah, because he he's making he's making weapons with his hands. He's putting little tiny slivers of his like metal knife finger through Sarah yeah. Connor and torturing he, her. Oh yeah, he yeah. Turns yeah. into other people. He, he doubles Sarah her Connor. Twin, her yeah. real life. Twin. Her real life twin. Yeah, I I recently learned that that was Linda Hamilton's twin sister who was in that scene to double up. Which looks great. We're up on this walkway. Sarah Connor, she essentially can't use her right arm. Yeah, yeah, she's maimed from the T-1000. So she's taken, she has the shotgun in her left arm, she shoves it up and down to pump it, is able to pull the trigger with her right finger again and again and again and again. She's out of ammo, maybe all hope is lost, but then Arnie, he comes over. Resurrected from his ass beating (laughs) from before. With the grenade launcher, shoots one right into the center of the T-1000. Wow. Oh, and it looks so good when he gets hit by that grenade. Blows him essentially in a half. He's barely He's, old. like, thinly attached yeah. at, like, a hip on and one side. Again, very the thing. Yeah, almost. very the thing. I was just about to and bring that up. Falls backward, melts in a giant yeah, falls into the steel. They saved the world, and then they never made another Terminator yep. ever again. I mean... Well, they have to lower the T-800. Oh, yeah, because... No, why? Because if he's around in the past, then somebody will have access to his material and start up the robo-war again, and they need to get no. rid of him. I'm sorry, Ricardo. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, <laughs> but he's gone. We drove him to the Terminator farm upstate, where he's just going to have a full green field of people to shoot. The movie just ends. It like It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just like, okay, this is the end of our movie now, and then Sarah has her little, like three seconds of voiceover where it's like if a machine could learn the value of human life then maybe we can too oh yeah I forgot <laughs> yeah that's kind of James Cameron's lame. not really good at the, yeah. the voiceover wrap up this ends the Terminator franchise if this new Dark Fate is supposed to disregard literally everything past T2 I am actually pretty interested on how they're gonna bring up like how did this still happen after we destroyed the T-800 did it start back up in, like, almost the exact same way? Yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens here. Yeah. If they have a good reason or if it's just another lazy Terminator piece of writing. It's probably another lazy Terminator piece probably, of writing. Probably, but we'll find out next week, Ricardo. Yeah, go see stay Terminator tuned. Darth I'm actually pretty excited now yeah. after talking about these movies. Yeah, guys. I think this was great. All right, uh, let's move on with the show after that extra-long main segment. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Where's Riley? Now, in the last two weeks since we've recorded Where's Riley, Riley has discovered that the segment is on the show. So now he is fully on board, <laughs> and I will be sharing with you exactly what he sends to me. So I sent him just a little while ago, Where's Riley? I've been unwilling to share this with the audience up until this point, but now that Riley has given me his blessing, it's okay. He works at Jersey Mike's Making Sandwiches. It is on Ogden avenue in milwaukee wisconsin whoa we're really giving out all of it we're really going we're doxing riley he says he says to tell the listeners that if they come in to the jersey mics on ogden and say hashtag where's riley 
while he's there, they'll get $2 off of their order. That, this is the funniest. I had no idea we were going this. Riley has, it's all gone to his head. He wants the fame. He wants the fans. And I want to give oh, it to this him. this is wonderful. That's I love this. so funny that he's giving out promos for Jersey Mike's. But Jersey yeah. Mike's, if you want to be a sponsor, hit us up through Riley. Thanks, Riley. Let's move on with the show. Our pop culture reference for this week is the phrase, Save the Rec Center. We've been using that uh, since the inception of our podcast here, and we realized that we never actually explained it out too well. Save the Rec Center is a trope that appears in a lot of teen films. The idea is that there's an altruistic goal that our main characters are trying Mm -hmm. to achieve, Usually having to do with bucking authority, maybe a local city council, a mayor, a high school principal, and the overall term for this general goal of bucking authority is usually used as saving the rec center. I want to say that's the plot to break into. I feel like it's the plot to one of those breaks. It's, it's definitely vaguely the plot to Hey Arnold, the movie. Yeah. It's, it's the plot to a lot of ski movies where they're like, we got to save the ski lodge from the... Like, corporate places trying... Yeah, exactly. It's always an evil developer. It's always, like, a mini mall that wants to get... Or yeah. condos that wants to get built up. It's still weirdly around when you least expect it. You'll get blindsided by it today, even in, in a lot of movies. But I feel like its big heyday was, like, 90s stuff, I want to say. Yeah, late 80s, 80s 90s. early 90s. Sticking it to the man, trying to band together with your other lovable loser characters you know who are really trying like to... Yeah, that is very 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, let's talk some good place. Now it's time for Hell is Other Podcasters, where we break down the last episode of The Good Place. Now, we didn't have an episode last week, so we're actually doubling up this week, talking about two episodes of The Good Place. Season 4, Episode 4, and Season 4, Episode 5. Let's start with Season 4, Episode 4. Full spoilers for both episodes. The episode title for Season 4, Episode 4 is Tinker, Tailor, Demon, Spy. Aptly named. So it begins while all of the gang is playing Pictionary together, <laughs> uh, and whatever they draw, once the correct oh, answer that is guessed, a good gag. I like that gag. <laughs> comes to life. Uh, now Chidi is tasked with poorly drawing Simone's childhood pony, and when Simone correctly guesses what it is, it comes to life as an absolute abomination. Yeah, yes, it does. While the team is regrouping after that less than successful Pictionary attempt to get the team to bond, Glenn from the Bad Place arrives. Oh yeah, he was the hooded figure on the train from the episode before. Yes. He's claiming what we had guessed, that Michael... Michael suit. ...is actually one of the demons in a Michael suit. He's claiming it's Vicky in a Michael suit. Vicky! And so that pretty much is the whole episode is trying to decide Mm -hmm. whether to believe Glenn or to believe Michael, locking them in separate rooms, trying to decide who is who, learning that Michael lied about... Yeah, freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he lied about getting a call from Sean, learning about the Michael suit. So even if Michael really is Michael, there are some trust issues being established within the team. Finally, they decide to have Janet build a lie detector (laughs) <laughs> for demons and use it on Glenn. And he just straight murders just people. <laughs> turns him into goop. Yep. And it's it, very funny. It takes several months for a demon to come back to their natural form after being turned into this goop. So essentially Glenn is neutralized and now Michael believes that he's in the clear but unfortunately no, they still don't know whether or not they can trust him. 
So Michael, as an act of selflessness, trying to show the group that he is Mm -hmm. who he says he is, volunteers to get blown up so that way he can't interfere with the experiment, even if he is the real Michael. That act alone convinces Eleanor that he is, in fact, the real Michael. This is a good episode. It was a good episode of Eleanor stuff. Well, Jason figures out that while he was talking to Janet and he called her girl, she didn't say, Not a girl. And so Jason handcuffs Janet with Derek's magical handcuffs. (laughs) Right. They figure out that it's, in fact, a bad place, Janet. It's been bad Janet the entire time. I hate bad Janet, man. Bad Janet. Because I love good Janet so much, (laughs) bad Janet just seems like a... I like the fact that they said the reason she can impersonate Janet now when she couldn't afford because they rebooted her, like, 20,000 times. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's a bad Janet on the same, like, intellectual, free will level as good Janet, I like that a lot. That's, yeah, that's going to come that. into play more, perhaps. I'm certain. And so the episode ends with Jason determined to go back with Michael and get Janet from the bad place. Yeah, these these episodes we've been getting yeah, lately have been, back, like, seriously... really picking up. I'm loving what they're doing. Seriously, it's, it's getting great. So let's move right into Season 4, Episode 5. Yeah. Season 4, Episode 5, called Employee of the Barami. Jeremy Barami. Jeremy Barami. Love it which is how time is measured in the world of The Good Place. The first thing we see is Vicky in the Michael suit failing to torture Janet, who does not find her Michael impression believable. And then we cut to Michael and Jason coming into the bad place on their push car. On a little rail car, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, did you guys notice what the population of the bad place was? Population, your mom. <laughs> which is Classic great. bad place, classic. <laughs> I loved... All of the Derek stuff. Derek, since Bad Janet is no longer running the neighborhood, Derek has had to step up and run the neighborhood. Did you guys catch both of his champagne glasses this episode? It was Scrabble tiles, (laughs) and the other one is... Sprinkles. Multicolored sprinkles. Well, that's a little more fun than Scrabble tiles, at least to Uh, eat. I think Scrabble tiles is pretty fun. Yeah. So, back in the bad place, we learn that Michael was once employee of the Barami in the bad place and he is haunted by how good he was at his bad place job. A lot of this new Michael stuff is very much solidifying that he is like a completely changed demon. Meanwhile, back in the neighborhood, they've split up all of the humans off away from the neighborhood so that they don't see how poorly Derek is running it and Tahani is feeling a little bit self-conscious that all she's good for is planning parties. We give Tahani something to do. Yeah, Tahani really is in this show a lot for planning parties, if I'm being honest. And I think that this is the show acknowledging how little character development she's gotten of late. I'm glad that they're kind of acknowledging this. Does Jason have more character development than her? Honestly, yeah. This is the first time we've ever seen Jason take decisive action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the bad place, there's Demon Con going on. Sean is running <laughs> Demon Con, which is a hundred days straight <laughs> yeah. of him giving a lecture. He has Michael, believing Michael to be Vicky yeah. in the Michael suit, come up. Michael decides to bring Jason on, saying that this is Glenn in a Jason suit. Yeah. So then they decided to torture Good Janet live on stage at Demon Con. Yeah, then we get um, a very unsure Jason doing an impression of what he thinks torturing Janet would be, which is just talking to her like he normally would talk to her. Yeah, and they get the confirmation of Janet being Janet and Janet understanding what's going on by Jason calling her girl, she says, not a girl. 
But uh-oh, Vicky shows up in the Michael suit. While Sean is figuring out what's going on, they explode Vicky. Yeah, they explode <laughs> Vicky. Vicky. That's very funny. And make a run for it. But not before he makes an impassioned speech about like what it is to be yeah. a demon and like human spirits and like being good and it change. It almost seems like the demons at Demon Con are kind of receptive to yeah, they're his into message. It. They like, applaud everything he does. I'm very curious about what this is going to mean for the future of The Good Place. This is the last season. Are the demons going to overthrow Sean? Maybe. Everybody gets, you know, crapped on by Sean anyway, so it would make sense. Just real quick, I honestly think that this is going to end up with Eleanor being part of the, uh... I think she it's going in... an architect for real? I think that's where it's going. Or I at least, like, that. a neighborhood manager with, like, partners with Michael or somebody. I they... love that. This has been Hell's Other Podcasters. All right, now it's time for Save the Rec Center. What do you guys have? Well, I'm going to come out straight out the gate. I thought about this uh, actually when I was thinking about a piece of our news when it broke earlier. Paul Dano, really love him. Swiss Army Man (coughs) is a film I've recently rewatched. It's hilarious. It's got a lot of heart. It's absolutely insane. It's about Paul Dano using the dead body of Daniel Radcliffe and his magical dead body powers to escape the wilderness and get back to civilization. It's absolutely ridiculous. Highly recommended. Go watch it. Have you read some weirdly high-profile source has written about how they think it's an allegory for coming to terms with being transgender? I have seen that. That's interesting, actually. That's actually very interesting. I might have to, you know, look through that lens when I rewatch it. Inevitably, pretty soon, because I think that movie's incredible. That's that's awesome. Maybe we need to maybe we need to rewatch that together. That'd be great. That'd be a good podcast episode. Yeah, that would be. Right, either either you guys, Rec Center. Yeah. Recently, David Harbor hosted Saturday Night Live, and SNL did its one good sketch that it gets to do <laughs> a year. They did a Joker parody, in which David Harbor plays Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. No, I didn't see this. Oh, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. That's, I mean, in concept, that sounds very funny. It's like four minutes. Go watch it right now. All you do is trash, and everyone treats you like trash. (laughs) Oh, no. Why don't you just become trash? It's really fantastic. I love that. I would watch a full movie. That's an easy one. Probably, like, YouTube. Just Google it. That's that's great. It's on YouTube right now. Ricardo? Mine is a... The Underfist Halloween Bash, the most obscure thing probably that's going to be on Rec Center. What? One more time? The Underfist Halloween Bash. The grand finale to the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy series. It was a one-off a Halloween special that doubled as a backdoor pilot for a new show called Underfist. It was going to be a spin-off to Billy and Mandy using their secondary characters who are like this monster fighting team now. It never got picked up because this was around the time where Cartoon Network was doing CN Real, where they got rid of all their animated programming. And we're going to do live action stuff because we don't know what the hell we're doing anymore. You know, guy, if you like Billy and Mandy, you're going to like this. It's all your favorite secondary characters like Jeff the Spider, Fred Fred Burger, Irwin? Irwin, uh, Hos- yeah. Hostel Gatto. Hostel Gatto. That sounds honestly great. You with Billy and Mandy. Not at all. I had the Cartoon Network Game Boy Advance cartridge mm-hmm. that had one episode for every Cartoon Network show. I think that's maybe the only episode of Billy and Mandy I've ever seen. Which one is it? I don't remember. There's yeah. a lot of snot in it. That's what I remember. Yeah, that's all of them. Yeah, <laughs> Billy's got a big nose. 
Well, that's a, that's honestly a great record. I yeah. didn't even know that existed as a. It's set idea. on Halloween. It's got a bunch of like candy armies. It just drips in Halloween. It's a fun time. Stay tuned for our Halloween special episode <laughs> that we're doing, where we're covering like nine Halloween specials. Yeah, approximately nine Halloween specials. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be. Amazing, you're gonna love it. That will drop the evening of October 31st, so that's a special Halloween treat for you guys. We will see you there. As always, we are sponsored by the Professional Cinema Society. If you'd like more information about the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Professional Cinema Society, please visit their Facebook page. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. It's in the can. Oh, is it? The stop button. It's the stop button.